one. Two swords. Holy. The problems of defining the empire are already apparent in the confusion over its title. For most of its existence, it was simply the empire. The words holy, Roman, and empire were only combined as Sacrum Romanum Imperium in June 1180, and though used more frequently from 1254, they never appeared consistently in official documents. Nonetheless, all three terms formed core elements of the imperial ideal present from the empire's foundation. This chapter will consider each in turn, before investigating the empire's troubled relationship with the papacy. The holy element was integral to the empire's primary purpose in providing a stable political order for all Christians and defending them against heretics and infidels. To this end, the emperor should act as chief advocate or guardian of the pope, who was the head of a single universal Christian church. Since this was considered a divine mission entrusted by God, it opened the possibility that the emperor and empire were themselves sacred. Like the Roman and imperial elements, the holy character of the empire was rooted in the later Christian phase of the ancient Roman Empire, rather than the pagan past of the first Caesars or the earlier Roman Republic. Christian Rome After more than three centuries of persecuting Christians, Rome adopted Christianity as its sole official religion in AD 391. This step partially desacralized the imperial office, since the singular Christian god would not tolerate a rival. The emperor no longer considered himself divine and had to accept the church's development as a separate institution throughout his empire. These changes were eased by the church's adoption of a clerical hierarchy modeled on Roman imperial infrastructure. Christian bishops resided in the chief towns, exercising spiritual jurisdictions, dioceses, that generally matched the political boundaries of the empire's provinces. Moreover, though no longer considered a god, the emperor retained a sacral role as mediator between heaven and earth. The Pax Romanum remained an imperial mission, but changed from providing an earthly paradise to advancing Christianity as the sole path to salvation. The later Roman Empire faced internal tensions and external pressures. Parts of the empire were already devolved to co-emperors after 284, and this resumed after a brief reunification under Constantine I, who revived the ancient Greek town of Byzantium as a new capital, immodestly dubbed Constantinople, in the 330s. The split into Eastern and Western empires became permanent after 395. Both halves survived through accommodating invading warriors, especially the Western Empire, which absorbed successive waves of Germanic invaders, notably the Goths and, later, the Vandals. These poachers were turned into gamekeepers through the attractions of Roman culture and settled life. They abandoned raiding to serve as the empire's border guards and became partly Romanized, including adopting forms of Christianity. Their embrace of Rome was always conditional on the benefits of subordination outweighing the lure of independence. This balance tipped against the Western Empire during the 4th and 5th centuries, 
the Western Gothic tribes, known as the Visigoths, established their own kingdom in former Roman Spain and southern Gaul in 395, and sacked the imperial capital only fifteen years later. The Franks, another tribe about which we will hear more shortly, assumed control of northern Gaul around 420, after 170 years of alternately attacking and serving the local Roman defenders. Having seen off the Huns, a fresh set of armed migrants arriving in the mid-fifth century, the victorious Goths, under Odoveca, toppled the last Western emperor, fittingly called Augustulus, or Little Augustus, in 476. Only later was this regarded as the fall of the Roman Empire. For contemporaries, Rome simply contracted to its eastern half based in Constantinople.